do, 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 do. We just lost a lot of listeners, Callum. Thanks so much. Oh, I'm in so much trouble. We're back again. We made it. We're still alive. That's good. It's uh, snowpocalypse is coming, and um, we're here. How is how is the weather in the uh, the white north? Oh, good old Canada. Yeah, it's uh it's chillier uh, than usual. It's um it's pretty darn cold. Even my dog today thought about not going outside. Ooh, ooh, just pee on um, pee on the floor, huh? Just, yeah, or I don't know, maybe on like the front porch or something. Um, and then run back inside to her chair. Uh, it's been good, though. Got some sessions coming up with some couples, so we're going to be four layers of clothes. Um, how about you down in Indy? It's, uh, I mean, it's all right. I'm, you know, born and raised California, so any amount of snow is just too much for me anyway. But it seems like every time it starts to melt, it just starts dumping again is like a just a cruel joke and i hate it so uh it'll it'll be over soon enough i hope you know only a few more months (laughs) a few more months geez so optimistic thanks so much i'm a realist here yeah (laughs) hey raymond here from the future where audio quality is obviously much better I wanted to chime in here real quick and say that even though these were some of the earliest episodes of the podcast, they are also some of the most popular. I still get emails to this day from listeners, just like yourself, who say that they were struggling to understand the Exposure Triangle after hearing about it on blogs and YouTube videos. But after listening to this series about Exposure Triangle that we put together here, it clicked. So I hope that you can look past the uh, less than perfect audio quality and pick up some really helpful info on how your camera works so that you can start to take better photos today. And be sure to stick around to the end of the episode where I have a free camera settings cheat sheet for you that I want to give to you to further your understanding of photography. So let's get into it. Well, you know, today uh, we are continuing our, um, you know what, it should be our four-part series. It really should, in the end of it. Yes, the exposure triangle, where we talk about, obviously, all three sections, and then end it with a wrap-up of everything that we've learned throughout the exposure triangle, and how to best implement it, uh, and bring it all together. That's true. That's exactly the objective of this mini-series, and... We hope by the end you have a better understanding of how you can take photographs that have enough light um, so that you don't get black images like I did for the first six months of my photographic uh, journey. Ooh, that sounds rough. It took six months to figure out, huh? (laughs) Not six months, but for, you know, maybe it was artistic effect after the first month. Sure. Everything really dark. Yeah, we'll just say that it's always artistic effect, right? Whenever we can't get what we want, that at least us as uh, photographers have creative uh, freedom to say that it's just artistic expression. So I wanted I'll, black. Yeah, <laughs> always like like the Rolling Stones. Yeah. So uh, obviously today we are continuing our um, our segment, and today it's all about shutter speed. There you go. That's it. That is the sound. That is the infamous camera sound that everybody knows and loves is the. So, you know, there's a lot that uh, goes into shutter speed. There's a lot more information uh, than you would think. But first, Callum, I think we have an experiment, don't we? Ooh, do we have an experiment? We do have an experiment. I I just tried to throw that one to you, but we're going to run with it. 
Oh, oh yes, so, this is the eye experiment. Yeah. Yes. This is your idea, so I really think you should champion this. Fair enough, fair enough. You know, in the last podcast when we talked about aperture, you related the uh, the aperture to the iris of your own eyeball or your pupil. So today, we're going to relate your shutter speed to another part of your eyes, which is blinking. So today... We're going to do a quick science experiment, all right? So, Callum, I'm going to need you uh, to be my test subject. Sound good? I'm ready. Got the eyes. All right. So, Callum, what you're going to do is you are going to close your eyes. Close them. Okay, keep them closed. And everybody else at home, also keep your eyes closed unless you're driving. But uh, don't, don't keep your eyes closed if you're driving. Just imagine what's going to happen. So, when I say three, go ahead and open and then close your eyelids as fast as possible, okay? I'm ready. One. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. One, two, three. Okay. I barely even saw that on the camera. So that that's good. Okay. You're good to open up your eyes now. Now, just try to remember that snapshot that you just took in your mind. I, I can't. I, I, I just know it was generally of the, the laptop I'm sitting at. It's pretty tough sometimes to remember exactly what it is that you saw for such a short amount of time. But here's a fun little statistic is that the amount of time that your eye was open was probably about a third of a second. Wow. If you can't remember what you saw in that third of a second, think about cameras whose shutter speed starts off. I mean, if you you were to take a photo right now at a third of a second, Callum, would you be able to deliver that photo to a client? Uh, very rarely. It'd be probably pretty blurry. It would be very blurry. So there's a lot that goes into cameras. When, when you think about the shutter speed, it literally, it's shut. The mirror inside um, is shut. And then it opens up. And then for the amount of time that it's open is the length of your shutter speed before it shuts again. And then you can see what's going on through your, uh, through your eyepiece. Did Absolutely. that make much sense? I think that was a perfect explanation and demonstration of what shutter speed is for a lot of cameras. Uh, It is just essentially the amount of time that the sensor is exposed to available light coming through the lens. Same with, uh, with film uh, photography. Isn't that right, Raymond? Yeah, it all relates. You know, that's, that's the cool thing about this is that it doesn't matter whether it's film or digital, it just all relates together. And that's why uh, this exposure triangle will, will always matter is, is as far as I know, except, you know, maybe these crazy new Lytro cameras. I, I don't even know how they work. I don't know if they have lenses. Have you seen that crazy ball thing that can move around? Yeah, I've seen it and I don't get it. It's I'm already magic. old because I just think, oh, the technology, I want out of here. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I wish that I understood it more. But for today and the past forever, since camera's first conception – it is, has all mattered on these three things of the exposure triangle, which is how much light is allowed into the lens, which is your aperture, how much light, how long light rather is allowed um, on the sensor and how sensitive the sensor is to the available light. So we're going to get into uh, ISO later, which is how sensitive uh, your sensor or your film is in the next podcast. But today is all about shutter speed. Very true. And so what we want to do is give you some really awesome examples of photography you've probably seen out there um, on BuzzFeed, on 
your news uh, feed on Facebook, uh, and just kind of relate those to shutter speed times and uh, changes. So yeah, so we want to go. What we want to do now is share with you some really cool examples of photographs that you've probably seen on your Facebook news feed or elsewhere on the internet, and kind of relate those to a few shutter speeds that you're going to run into as you as you learn. Uh, a really common one or one that really catches everyone's attention, even myself, is astrophotography. And that's essentially the photography of capturing stars um, and sort of the universe away from us. Um, very often you're going to see exposure times, uh, shutter speeds that are long. So I'm talking in multiple seconds upwards of minutes for some, for some photographers, depending on how dark or how bright it is. So a shutter speed for taking stars could be anywhere from, you know, a few seconds to let's say a couple minutes. And what that really just means is that that sensor, uh, if you can see my hand here, the sensor is covered up and then the, the, the mirror will move out of the way and the sensor will expose for 30 seconds up to a few minutes. And it will take in all the possible light in that really dark space and then close again to make the image. A really uh, a complete opposite example is F1 cars or, or any other sort of racing car. A lot of photographers will definitely be shooting much faster. And that's probably going to be around one two thousandth of a second, Raymond, would you guess? I'm not a, a sports car photographer, so... Yeah, it's 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 definitely around there. It's definitely close. With, with the speed that indie cars or other sports require... You really need a fast shutter speed to be able to capture, you know, that photo correctly. So, you know, it doesn't just have to be cars. It could be uh, football. It could be uh, baseball. You know, baseball travels at, you know, upwards of 100 miles an hour and you want to freeze that baseball in the air. And to be able to capture it, you really need a fast shutter speed because otherwise, if if you have a longer shutter speed, you're just going to get a trail through the single photo of the baseball or worse, you're not going to be able to see it at all. And that's, uh, that's obviously not what you want. Cause if you're taking a photograph of something, you want to be able to see it. That's absolutely right. So when you're looking at your camera, I guess we should talk a little bit Raymond about, uh, what that looks like, what you would actually change on your camera to make a faster or slower shutter speed. Perfect. Uh, and, on all the digital cameras that I've ever seen, so Raymond, correct me if I'm wrong, you're going to see it in what's considered a fraction of a certain speed. Not on Canon. Not on Canon, actually. How do you see it on Canon? Because I see it. Let's see. If you can see this right here. Oh, it's upside down, right? Maybe. It could be. It's a little hard for me to see, but... Okay, let's, let's see if I can isolate myself. Oh, no, that's upside down. Raymond's having technical difficulties. <laughs> it's backwards. Okay. Uh, so on on a Canon camera, it is, you can see the 40, 50, yep. 60. So it's not displayed as a fraction, but that is a fraction it is. itself. It is the fraction itself. So um, right here, it says uh, a 60th of a second, 80th of a second, 100th of a second, 125, 160, 200. 250 and then 320. So it's just the numbers that are on the on the side of the camera, but what they are referring to is 
what fraction of a second it uh, the shutter speed will be available. Whereas, uh, let's see, which way did it go? If I go down, you'll see that when we start getting into longer exposures, it'll add the second ticker on there. So you can see the four, which is uh, four seconds. So yep. that's a quarter of a second, a third of a second, or no, um, three seconds, four seconds, and then uh, so on and so it forth. Keeps going and going until you're up to. I think yours might stop out at thirty seconds. Until it does you, until you move into something called bulb mode. We won't go into that right now. Yes, um, that is correct. But obviously, I'm guessing on Canon or I'm sorry, Nikon. Rather, it shows differently. No, no, no. It shows the exact same. I just meant that the number is a representation of a fraction of a second. Oh yes, yes. Then so, you are one hundred percent correct. Yeah. So when you see something that says two thousandth inside your camera. Um, or actually, you know what? In live view mode on Nikon, I'm pretty sure that it shows. Yeah, so in Nikon on the live view, and if you have a Nikon, is this backwards? No, it's it's not. Was mine backwards? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. You can see here it says 1 over 400th. And that really just represents 1 over 400th of a second. And as I move that, and what I'll do is I will move that for you. Uh, can you see that or is it too close? No, I can see it. Cool. So you can see it's gone up to, what's that say there? 160th. Or gone down, okay. So I'm going to go up. Yeah, 1-800th, I think, there. Yeah. So it looks like on Nikon, it is a very clear representation of exactly what it is that uh, you are changing and how it's being affected. Yeah, on the on the live view, anyways, in the, the little kind of LCD on the top here, it mm -hmm. just shows it as a number. Okay. You can see there. Yeah, you know, on uh, on canon also in live mode it does not it does not do that oh no okay so anyway so if you want to take a picture of you know a bird flying an f1 car going around the track maybe uh you know you, you have a friend who's a fast runner uh the faster the shutter speed uh so going upwards into the thousands uh the better um, usually around the 250 to 400 of a second mark is good for freezing humans if you have a really quick dog, I have to I have to take photographs of Lucy around one eight hundredth of a second, Ooh, um, because she she is a quick little bugger. She's a she's a herder dog, so she wants to run. And uh, anything anytime I take pictures of cars moving uh, and I need to freeze them, uh, I'm shooting somewhere up in the two thousandths and above. That uh, makes sense. So I hope that makes that makes sense for you guys learning about your cameras there. Um, on the opposite end, if you want to sh see someone blurred while they're running, you would bring it down really slow. Hey, Raymond here. If you're sometimes baffled by which camera settings to use, then I've got just the thing for you. My free guide, Picture Perfect Camera Settings. It's a fantastic starting point for anybody eager to understand the basics of camera settings in various shooting scenarios. And it's tailored to beginners who want to get out of auto mode, providing clear, easy to follow suggestions on where to start with your settings. So whether you're capturing a stunning landscape or a family portrait, Picture Perfect Camera Settings will help you to get off of automatic mode and explore the possibilities your camera offers. Remember, mastering photography settings is a journey, and this guide is your first step. And the perfect resource to guide you towards finding the right settings for your style. So grab your copy today at perfectcamerasettings.com and start your journey to better photos. 
Yeah, and that can be a creative, um, a creative expression, I guess, if you will, if or, uh, if you want to do that. So this can get kind of technical, but um, you can, if you're looking at somebody who's running, if you were to set your camera, if you wanted to take a picture of them, freeze them while they're running, while you're just looking at them through the camera, take my lens cap off, that could be important. If you just want to look at them and then take the photo while they're running, you're going to want to be at like a 200th or 250th of a second to freeze them. However, it might be kind of boring around them. So a creative choice that you can make is maybe set your shutter speed to a 30th of a second or a 15th of a second and just make it really, really slow. And what you can do is while they're running, look at them right in the center of your camera and then move with them. And if you're moving at them with the same space or the same pace, rather, once you take the photo, they're still going to be frozen in that photo while everything else around them will trail. That's correct. I don't know how much that's going to make sense if you've never tried it before or if you haven't seen it, but go ahead and give that a shot. If you want to take pictures of your cat running around the house or your dog running around the house, uh, just go ahead and shut your, set your shutter speed to, uh, you know, I'd say one thirtieth of a second. And then when they run by you, just follow them with the camera and then take it mid run and then just see what kind of, you know, photos you get out of that. It could be something that you hate. It could be something that you absolutely love. And then you just run with it. Absolutely. Set the, set the camera into shutter mode priority. That's uh, S for Nikon. And what is it for uh, Canon users? Is it Teams? Uh, I don't I've never used it. I don't know. Um, it's not S because there's no S on the top of the camera. Um, you guys have AV, TV. What's... M, okay. So yeah, it's got to be TV. Yeah, TV, maybe time value. There you go, time value. That that would make sense. Um, set it to one thirtieth, as Raymond suggests, and just deadpan, you know, cross as you uh, take a photograph. I was never really good at that, um, but I am sure you guys can be much better than I at it. It um, takes a lot of work, but I've tried it, you know, at a few weddings while uh, people are dancing, and I figured that, you know, it really helps is also using a flash to freeze them in whatever moment that it is that you are uh, taking the photo. So again, it takes some work, but so does a lot of photography. Um, a lot of it is just, you know, a bunch of guess and check work. You might try something new and absolutely hate it. And you might try something tried and true that everybody else does. And you know, you might hate that as well. So it just comes down to figuring out what it is that you want to do. So I guess we can go on and uh, get to our next point, which is a little bit of the history of photography and shutter speeds. So kind of what I talked about in the last episode, or at least I touched upon it, was that technology doesn't really advance much of the exposure triangle except for ISO performance. There's not much advancements in technology in glass. And there's not really much advancements in technology of shutter speeds because it's pretty mechanical. And, you know, we've gotten pretty good that where we're at right now is, is good. <laughs> um, but back in the old days, that was not the case. So what they would routinely do is um, if you think back to any pictures of like, you know, Lincoln, Lincoln was the first U.S. president, I don't know who it would be in Canada, maybe you can figure it out, but Lincoln was the first U.S. president to have a, uh, a photographic portrait taken of him, whereas before Lincoln, everybody would just paint a uh, photo of the president. So 
if you think back to those pictures of Lincoln, or if you think back to really old pictures of uh, generals or old families and stuff like that, they're all, you know, black and whites. Nobody's smiling in those photos. And you can't figure out why you're like, were these people just not happy? It's like, well, no, of course they weren't happy. They didn't have iPods and computers. Like, what did they do with their time? They weren't happy. But that wasn't the case. What it was, was that the film speed was so slow that the shutter speed had to be open for such a length of time that if anybody tried to hold a smile, their faces would become fatigued. Oftentimes the photos would be too, they would be like a two minute exposure. And to think about astrophotography, when it's dark, it's night, there's no moon out, there's no light, you're only taking a 30 second exposure. So to have to take a two minute exposure in the middle of the day just shows how slow film was back then. And it wasn't really until, you know, if I look at my old uh, Pentax film camera, it only goes up to one one thousandth of a second. That is its maximum shutter speed because nobody thought that there would ever be a need for to go any faster because anything more than a thousandth of a second with how slow the film speeds were back then, you would just need to be like feet away from the sun. You'd have to be able to touch the sun. You'd have to just need that much light. And it just wasn't feasible here on earth. And that's what people did. They just stood feet away from earth all the time. But like I said, if, if you think about those old exposures, that's why people weren't smiling. It's not because they weren't happy. I mean, they might, they might not have been happy. I don't know. But uh, it's because they needed to have oh, such a long shutter speed. So there's a lot of photos that we take today that never would have been possible back then. Star oh. photos, we would, we would have been able to take back then. It just would have required a much longer exposure. But there's a lot of magical photos that we take for granted today that require the faster shutter speed. So like Callum said, obviously race cars and a lot of things would be like birds, birds flying um, and a lot of stuff like that. You know, is there anything else that you can think of? Uh, you know, I think a lot of the huge film stuff that even we were having this conversation earlier was that, you know, photographs back during the wars, um, they look grainy for one thing because the, you know, the film was just so, so new in development and whatnot, but you can see a lot of blur and movement of soldiers, even ones who are moving very slowly, you know, walking because film speed was not fast enough that you could have a shutter speed that was quick enough. Um, and so even holding a camera, if you shoot, um, if I shoot anything slower than one tenth of a second and I'm hand holding it, I'm probably going to, my, my photographs probably going to be blurry unless you I'm, gotta I study your hand than I do. My friend, if I'm under a hundredth of a second, it gets blurry. <laughs> Our good friend, Alex can actually shoot at like one fourth of a second and slower. Oh he can shoot almost half second handheld. He's impressive. <laughs> He's got some crazy techniques though. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, there's, you know, birds, people would paint them uh, until uh, just, you know, zoom lenses came out where they could actually get close enough to the birds and could actually photograph them without blur. Um, That's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. That's why most of our, you know, images of birds are, are from paintings, you know, that we see, or, or I guess mostly, you know, a lot of elderly people have paintings of birds in their houses because, a photo of a bird, you know, just wasn't possible. And yet they're so beautiful that people do want to capture it. So it's good that now we're, we're able to um, photograph birds because it's obviously a much quicker process. 
And uh, well, just, birds don't have to stay still now for so long while you paint them. Oh yeah, <laughs> birds. <laughs> birds are crazy. Uh, so you know, obviously, shutter speed. Uh, we talked about how having a long exposure can be a creative um, idea that you could have, but how would how would be having a faster exposure be creative at all? Having a, a faster shutter speed uh, is actually super advantageous for photographers, especially ones who like to have the really dreamy, really out of focus backgrounds, uh, especially when you see those really nice portraits of people or, you know, your flower garden where you've got just, you just can't see what's in the background. It's just nice. And the, the bouquet is kind of just nice and just soft. Um, and what that is, is you need a faster shutter speed. So up in the multiple thousands to offset the larger hole, if you remember from our, our last mini session on Aperture, to make the depth of field super shallow and get everything out of focus, you need to open up the lens and let in a lot of light. But by opening up the lens and letting in a lot of light, you need to do something else to compensate for all that light or you're gonna have an image that's just completely white or overblown. And what you do is you crank up your shutter speed to maybe a couple thousandth of a second maybe four thousandths of a second. Um, that's sort of the max for basic DSLRs um, in today's uh, digital world. And that'll, by being able to go up into the multiple thousands of the shutter speed uh, category, you'll be able to open up your lens as wide as possible to get nice, dreamy, out of focus, creative, artistic uh, of portraits or photographs of anything you want. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. When when you have a photo where only somebody's face is in focus, no matter what is in the rest of that photo, your eye is going to be drawn always to two things, whatever's in focus and whatever's the brightest. So if the face is primarily what is in focus and everything else is out of focus behind it, your eyes are going to be drawn right to that person and your photos become much more compelling. So this is why people upgrade their lenses, to be able to have faster lenses, to be able to have, you know, uh, larger apertures, much smaller numbers. Um, and that is one reason also why um, the shutter speed has increased over the years. Like I said, in my uh, 1980, I don't know, two Pentax K1000, the shutter speed goes up to a max of one one thousandth of a second. And then in my 2014 Fuji X-T1, it goes up to one thirty-two thousandth of a second. So it has changed quite a bit. And that is because we're making faster and faster glass. So that's a very easy way to get a properly exposed photo while still having a very large aperture. And it's all because of shutter speed. That's absolutely true. I think that was a perfect uh, explanation there, Raymond. Nice job. High five over the internet. All right. Virtual high fives. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. Um, you know, I think that we talked a lot today. Today was a shorter podcast, but we talked a lot about shutter speed and its uh, its attributes, what it can do for your photos, how you can manipulate it, whether using a slower shutter speed or a faster shutter speed. And I think I think we nailed this one, Callum. Yeah, I think, I think if uh, you have questions, you should jump on the Facebook group. Uh, and throw a comment out there. Ask us about, ask us more stuff. Uh, we're always around to uh, try and help you or, or find somewhere to, to give you some education more on shutter speed. But, you know, 
uh, as always, it's an experiment, and shutter speed is another component of your camera that you can experiment with to to be creative. Absolutely. In fact, and I just I just realized this, and I feel kind of um, slow for just finally realizing this. But if you look at the top of your camera and you look at your settings, it only shows. Uh, it shows more than three things, but the only things that you can control is your shutter speed, your aperture, and then your ISO. Everything yeah. else is either your drive modes or how many photos that you have left. It's because those three things are the most important. They're the only things that matter when it comes to taking a properly exposed photo is your ISO, your shutter speed, and your aperture. And that's why they're on the top of the camera, because those are the, the only things that you need to control and be able to see at a moment's notice. You don't need to be able to see, you know, exactly what focusing mode you have. And even though you can see that on the top of the camera, but there's a lot of things that don't technically matter to the photos, except for those three things. So they are the most important. The more time that you spend with them and experiment with them, the more you're going to learn and the more that you're going to be able to figure out how you can use those to your advantage when it comes to getting out there and actually shooting. Because you're not going to be wanting to use the same settings when you're taking a photo, a portrait of somebody's face, as you would at uh, you know uh, your kid's track meet or something. Absolutely. I think you nailed, uh, nailed it right on the head there. I like nailing things on the head. That's good. Nice. Good nice. job. Bonk. Hey, Raymond here again. I really hope that you found this episode all about shutter speed's role in the exposure triangle helpful. Now, in the next episode, we are going to be tackling ISO and how it helps play a role in capturing an image in different amounts of light. Now, like I mentioned in the intro, if you are anything like me, you are a visual learner. So be sure to download our free Picture Perfect Camera Settings Guide. It is full of personal and professional images of mine from 10 plus types of photography, along with the camera settings that I used to capture those images so that you can you can see them, you can get an idea of how it works, and that you can have a starting point for when you go out and shoot for yourself. So be sure to grab that for free by heading over to perfectcamerasettings.com. Totally free. Again, that is perfectcamerasettings.com. Now that is it for today. I want you to go out and practice taking photos, uh, especially playing around with shutter speed. See what you can come up with. Because remember, the more that you shoot today, the better of a photographer you will be tomorrow. I'll talk to you soon.